Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever and however you may be listening. My name is Vinny Hanke, and welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We're in the middle of our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we're exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. I'm here once again with Jeff Luddington, the lead pastor of Generations Church. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Vinny. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. Welcome back. We're, I'm excited to get punch out some more of these yeah. episodes with you. You know, I'm going to miss, uh, I, I tease you for that, that, that intro sometimes. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and I, because those are words I'd probably never put together. But I will tell you this, uh, everybody knows we, we've had a, a release, an email, everything's gone out, but uh, we're getting ready to send out Pastor Vinny. Uh, this will be, um, he will be leaving and going to be a lead pastor at a church in Meridian, Idaho. And uh, in fact, if you'd like more information on that, if you would like to even hear some perspective from pastors, uh, three of us sit down and talk about that in an episode that came out last Thursday, we would invite you to listen to that. But we, we will go through some changes after a few, uh, a few more episodes, uh, but I'm going to miss that. I got to tell you, I'm going to miss Thanks, you and your lightheartedness, your fun. Uh, you always make sure we don't remain too serious. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I'll take class clown of the podcast any day. <laughs> I didn't say that. No. You're serious about your Bible and theology, but you do it with a light heart. And uh, man, I love it. So, awesome. hey, we're entering into a new section now. So the Heidelberg Catechism is broken into three parts that are nicknamed guilt, grace, and gratitude, hence the name that we've been talking about for our podcast. And really, this comes out of the second question in all of the catechism back in week one, where it asks the question, what is our only comfort in life and death? And the answer, short form, is that we're not our own, but we are Christ's. And the second question asks this, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? And the answer says three things. How great my sin and misery are, how I am set free from all my sins and misery, and how I am to thank God for such redemption. So we've, nick, not we, we've inherited nicknames over history, for these three sections, guilt, grace, and gratitude, in the first six weeks, the first six Lord's Days, if you will, are all about our guilt, our debt of sin to God. And really what it does is spend six days uh, and many questions, I think 18 questions, on how deep our sin and corruption and depravity is. And really that's so important so that we understand how great our need for a Savior is. Yep, I've said that the good news doesn't become great news until you understand the bad news. And so that's what we spent our time doing so far, is really trying to understand what is the bad news about our yeah. condition apart from God. That's good, and a, and a catchy way to remember it, right? Yep. See, I, I'm going to miss you, bro. Bumper you sticker faith, these, buddy. There you go, man. That is Twitter-sized solutions for Jesus. All, All right. right. So we're going to open up today. Question 20 and 21 is what we're going to cover in this episode. We're moving from understanding our guilt and our need to really understanding the grace of Jesus and our salvation and really making that good news great news, yep. like you said. And so question 20, we're doing this like a father would to a son, like a teacher to a student, a discipler to a disciple. So I'm going to read the questions. Vinny's going to answer them, and then we're going to work through them together. So question 20 says this. Will all people then be saved through Christ, just as they were lost through Adam? Answer 20 reads, No, only those are saved who by true faith 
are grafted into Christ and accept all his blessings. Question 21 then asks, what is true faith? Answer 21 reads, it is not only a certain knowledge by which I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in the word, but also a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit creates in me through the gospel, that not only to others, but to me also God has given the forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of sheer grace solely for the sake of Christ's saving work. Question 20 is a great question. It flows out of the question in last week's episode. And if, and if you get a chance, go back and listen to that. If you haven't, if you're new, let me just summarize it uh, saying this. It asks the question, if, if all people inherit sin and death from Adam, and the answer is yes, they do. And so all people die and all people sin because in Adam, all people sinned and inherit death. And so uh, if that doesn't make sense to you, please go back and listen to episode six. But we're coming out of that and saying, okay, if all people die in Adam, will then all people live or be saved through Christ? So really, this is a, is this a one for one, right? And it, if you're listening to this, there's a term called universalism. Universalism is, is just that. Just like sin is universal, everyone inherits it, some out there believe that salvation is also universal. Now, there, there's a whole host of problems in that. Uh, one, it's not biblical. We'll, we'll get to that. Right. But two is this overarching belief that really there's no necessary response to Jesus. Now, probably most Christians don't believe that but I think they believe a watered-down version of that. Well, I believe in Jesus, and so therefore I am saved, or I go to church on Christmas and Easter, or, you know, I went forward to Greg Laurie crusade one time and said that prayer or said a prayer at a track and down by the beach or something. They have this watered-down version of this answer. Where do you see this in ministry? I think it starts really with missing out on that first whole section of the catechism, right? Like there's just a misunderstanding of how bad the bad news is. Mm. And so people fall into universalism because it's, it's, it's much easier. It's much in their mind, uh, pastoral to say, well, you know, eventually everybody's going to be saved or, or, you know, th there's some good people out there who don't know Jesus, but they're trying real hard and, and they're going to, they're going to get there. Um, I think that that's probably the, the biggest part where I've seen it in pastoral ministries, where if people don't really have an understanding of how bad the bad news is, then um, they, they don't understand the necessity of Christ or, or the deep yeah. need for Christ. And that's why it's so important. If you haven't gone back, listen through the first other episodes, because all of these are going to stack up on one another. Yeah. You know, in the middle of recording the first six episodes and the, and the introduction, so really seven, um, but really through the first six, there was this feel, and I remember... Man, it is weighed down in sin for a minute. Like yep. it is really uh, a bit of doom and gloom, right? Yep. But it is necessary so that we understand our salvation. And I, and I think even more so, uh, it is necessary so we appreciate our salvation. Yeah, it's going to get really good. Right, Hang tight right. with us. Hang tight with us. It's going to get really, really good here. One of my first papers ever written in seminary was on uh, the theological topic, Total Depravity. And I, I wrote a paper called How Fallen is Fallen. Like how fallen or how sinful is humanity? And I will say this, I, I, I knew what I was going to write somewhat, or I knew my outcome, like when I went into writing it, I'd, I'd done the reading. And, but putting it together, I've got to say this, I really felt uh, my faith grew by understanding my sin. Yeah, grace gets 
that much bigger, that much broader, that much more beautiful when I understand that, that first part. I think the other, the other thing I've run into too is, and we're getting into this in the passages that support this question and answer is misunderstanding or misapplying uh, quantity and means by which we are saved. Mm. Um, Particularly in the passage we're going to deal with here in Romans five, like misunderstanding how God's applying that and how Paul's writing. Mm, That's good. He's not dealing with quantity in every section. He's also, he's dealing with means by which for for instance, it's safe to say, right, that we are all saved by Christ. But what do I mean by that? I mean by the means by which we are saved is Christ. For everyone who is saved, the only way of salvation is Christ. I don't mean we are all every single human person through all creation from all time. You know, when I went to, and in fact, well, that'll tee up the passage, and so I'll do that, but let me preface it with this. The simple question that flows naturally out of the the questions, right, and flows naturally out of a passage that we're going to read, is will all people then be saved through Christ just as they were all lost through Adam? And I heard a sentence I was taught, uh, it was early in seminary, and I remember hearing from a particular teacher uh, this phrase, all means that all, and that's all it means. All mm-hmm. means all, and that's all it means. That's what I was told. When you read in the Bible, all means all. And so all means all people, past, present, and future, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, you know, whatever, right? Yep. That can't be true because there are passages of Scripture that say pray for all people. Right. Am I supposed to pray for dead people, future people? I mean, like, you have yep. to ask questions. Like, all can't always mean all. Yep. And I was told that in seminary, and I, and I, you know, I remember, and it's easy, all means all, and that's all it means, but that's not true. Right. And so I began to look at this and wonder, you actually have to figure out the context of the passage yep. to really ask the question, what does all mean? Yep. So let's do that. Romans 5, I'm going to read a few verses between verses 12 and 21. And it begins with this, Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So that's an all, and that's an all men, all humanity. It's not talking about males. You have to understand the context. All humanity, and all humanity sins. So we inherit sin, we inherit death. Death spreads to all because all come, if, you, if you're a Christian and you believe in any form of creation, if you believe in that, then we have a set of parents we derive from. And our DNA comes to us sinfully. We inherit death. So just as every human being is going to die, unless Jesus returns first, every human being inherits sin. And that is proof of it that we're all going to die. And so therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Death is all pervasive. It covers everyone. So now the question is, so who is saved? Three verses later, it says this, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if, and listen to the word, if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So we know that all inherit death, all inherit sin, but the grace of Christ in abounds for many or is available for many. Uh, in fact, available for is probably not even a good way to put it. It, it. it exists. It's out there, right? And it will cover many, not just available. But it will do that. Three verses later, verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, 
So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Now, here's where I think it gets tricky. Yep. For all men. Now, we already eliminated this all humanity. Right. So this means men and women. So women are not left out of the covenant here. We know that. Women aren't left out of the curse of sin. They're not left out of the covenant of grace. That none, none of that is true. So we know that we have to understand the context in which it's written. Right? So we have to deal with this verse in its context, not in isolation. I've had an opportunity for whatever reason to say this a lot lately, but you can't build a theology off of one verse. You can't extract that one verse nope. and build a whole theology off of it. It has to fit in all of Scripture. You can build an internet following, though. Ah, you can. You can build ah. an internet following on one verse. You can build a cult off one verse. You can build a cult off one verse, but you cannot <laughs> you build cannot a theology. You cannot build biblical truth. There you oh. go. The next verse says this. For as by the one man's disobedience, so the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This language goes back and forth through many and all. And if I'm honest, if you're reading through this for the first time, you've never heard this, it can be confusing. Is it many? Is it all? That's a fair question. Yep. That's why 450 years ago, when they were reclaiming the gospel during the, the Protestant Reformation, when they were trying to recapture the apostolic doctrine that was laid out in the first three centuries and, and canonized for us in Scripture, this became a question, Yep. right? Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin, death reigns. But not all come to faith in Christ. There have been popular preachers that have come out and after being traditional, uh, you know, uh, conservative on this, have come out and said, you know what? Uh, they become what we call universalists. You know what? All people will come to faith. They have some right that they have a post-mortem opportunity to receive Jesus and repent after they die. But Scripture blows all that up. You have one life to live and then the judgment, says Scripture, says Jesus. So Romans 6 goes on. So the very next chapter, just a few verses later, says this, starting in verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, this is going to limit people. Yep. This, is, this is saying those who were baptized into Christ Jesus. And you said something earlier that's really important. Don't make baptism here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm applying it. Yeah. We can't make baptism here the means by which we are saved, right? right? But it's talking about a normal person who comes to faith. Their first step of obedience should be baptism, right? We know that baptism is required. The thief on the cross is a great example. Baptism is a response to what Jesus does for us. But it identifies the baptized as believers, those a limited subset of people, right, how many ever that is, but a subgroup of people, not all, but those who are saved. But it gets really important right here in verse 4, that in Christ, and then it finishes the verse, it says, we too might walk in newness of life. There's a requirement on those who believe. Now, people don't love to hear that. They, they put Paul against James. James says, I'll show you my faith by how I live. And Paul says, well, all you got to do is confess faith. And they're not arguing. They're agreeing. Paul writes this. The expectation of every believer beyond baptism, yes, it's also that they would be baptized, but beyond that is that we might walk in newness of life. Yeah, and ultimately that's, that's the part that we're talking about, the 
those who are within Christ is going to be a subset of humanity. And we're going to be, we're going to see those differences in their baptism and then in the transformative power of their, of Christ in their life, the the way that they're, they're going to be marked people by water in their baptism and then by life transformation, the fruit of God, the fruit of the true faith, which is what we're getting to. I love the promise of baptism as Peter goes out right after the ascension of Jesus. He preaches the first gospel after the ascension, uh, the first proclamation of the gospel after the ascension. And I, I think it's uh, Acts 2.38 where he says, uh, the, the people ask him, so what must we do to be saved, right? What must, what must we do to go from the dead to the living, right? From those who are under Adam to those who are under Christ. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And there's a promise here. He says, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit, right? That's that impetus in us to live in newness of life. So this must eliminate universalism. This must eliminate that because Jesus entered into human history, that all people are forgiven of all their sin. And it isolates down to only those who are in Christ. Well, how do we know we're in Christ? Well, First, we respond to Jesus and we're baptized, right? We join a community of faith in the church, right? Jesus always speaks through the church. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. There is a need to be in a community of faith, a body of faith. I'm not saying that because I pastor a church. Before I was a pastor, I was in a church, right? That precedes that. But just to make sure that we're clear, that that Jesus' death just doesn't cover everyone, willing or unwilling, it, I, I, want to, I want you to hear this in Jesus' own words. It's in John 3. Some, these are some of those famous words in all of the Bible. Right? John 3.16 says, So for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, so there's a qualifier, whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send the world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world, so there's an all, that anybody, white, black, yellow, pink, purple, doesn't matter, male, female, rich, poor, that the world wouldn't have to be condemned, right? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. There's a qualifier. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, Jesus says this, whoever does not believe, verse 18, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. As we talk about universalism, that, for for folks who want to talk about um, John 3.16 proves too much for them, right? Mm, Yeah. it gets to the place where we, we know that not all people are saved. And so you can't take world like what you're talking about and make it every single human being who's ever lived from all time and through all time. Right. It, it's got to be the differentiation of God's grace for all kinds of people. Yeah, that's good. So the question or this episode is going to finish with this question, question 21, what is true faith? And you, you answered it. But I want to highlight some of the pieces. It's not only a certain knowledge, right? It's not just a head knowledge, not just right. a certain knowledge which I accept is true, all that God has revealed to us in the word, but also, and I love this part of it, also a wholehearted trust, which the Holy Spirit creates in me through the gospel, right? There is a wholehearted trust that I place my life in the hands of Jesus, and that will have the natural outpouring of Romans 6, verse 4, that we too might walk in newness of life. I would say this, it's not your newness of life that saves you, right? It's not that you have changed or it's not that you act in a certain way. It is absolutely that it is proof of what Jesus has done in you. No one that Jesus saves will remain the same. 
they will become new. Yeah, it's, it's those, it's those, the traditional three pieces of faith we talk about as Reformed believers, right? That yeah. there's the mental ascent. It's not, but it's not just mental ascent. It's right. not just certain knowledge, and it is wholehearted trust. But it's not just an emotional response to the God's right. goodness. It is walking in the newness of life. It's all three of those make up the true faith that reveals God's work within us: the mental ascent, the knowledge, the wholehearted trust uh, within the context of your heart and belief, and then also how that knowledge and belief lends itself to action and Mm. changed life. That's really good. So we're going to pause here. If you have been following along and you've subscribed to our podcast, uh, we're going to pause here. We're going to do a part two to Lord's Day 7. It'll be released in two days on Thursday. Uh, If you're listening today, let me encourage you, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, would you, would you like it? Would you share it with your friends? And would you even be willing to write a, uh, write a review uh, wherever you listen, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or, or whatever you crazy people that use Androids do, I don't know. But uh, if you listen to this and you like it, would you please, uh, would you give us uh, a, a recommendation, a review? That keeps us up in the searches. And so for now, I'm going to say listen for part two, but thank you. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. For more content and make a connection with us, go to our website. It's gen, G-E-N, family.church. Thank you. From Generations Church, we love you. God bless you. Thank you. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.